Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is an ABC podcast. Good plan, good plan. Who thought of this one? You're listening to the Out of Sanctum podcast. Here is a moment in time in the history of the AFL. Head from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Hello and welcome to the Outer Sanctum for another week. It is my great pleasure to be sitting in my house with my boots on, with a silly thing on the top of my head as I look down the barrel of the computer screen and I am joined by my sanctum, silly sanctum, football loving ladies. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Shelly Ware, how are we? What have you got on your head, Shell? I'm part of the um, village people with my husband's helmet, work helmet on, safety helmet. <laughs> I'm, of course, wearing a wreath of flowers on my head. Yeah. Who's that behind the moustache? Uh, it's Kate Sear and this is, I know it's hard to tell the difference because I usually do have a moustache, but this is a uh, <laughs> fake moustache that, that I'm wearing and then, I'm, then it's wet at the moment because I'm sipping my gin as we speak in a, <laughs> in a tonic through my moustache. And hello, it is Lucy Race here, first of my name, breaker of grounds and mother of possums. <laughs> <laughs> we can't wait to get the possum update. We've got two more sanctumers with us, which is very exciting. Who's that in the Alice from the Brady Bunch position on my on my Zoom screen? <laughs> don't know if that's me or not, but I'm taking it anyway. I am Rana Hussain and I have got my hoodie on, but I have to say, Kate, you've never been sexier than with a gin-soaked moustache. Well, thank you, Rana. I'll take that. I'll take that. And rounding out the A-team for tonight, we are joined by the one and only, we like to call her Teddy. What do you call yourself tonight, Ladybird? Tess Armstrong coming to you live from pyjamas, which is something I'm going to actually bring in when we go back to the office anyway. I'm loving it. And I'm just flicking through the UN Charter of Human Rights and looking for the bit about how Marty Chol was robbed on Friday night because he marked that ball. And I've been thinking about it all weekend. What? That was an outrage. We'll get to footy later. We can get to footy now. I cannot get over the low scores. I've been waiting for a memo all day and all night and I'm left wanting. But are you feeling a little, I mean, we're Victorians, we're locked in our houses. If we can be parochial about anything, it is the fact that we're always getting in trouble for having bad weather, but the rest of the country is turning on the rain for these 20 days and 20 nights biblical event of football tests. Yeah, Em, I did say I couldn't wait for the 20, for the biblical event of football every night, but I literally didn't think about what, what would it be like if it was a sludge fest. And watching Frio Geelong in the rain, I was like, weirdly jealous of everybody still out and about at the football mm. but at the same time thought what if it's 20 days of football like this even I as I have a, 
an illness. I could watch any game with, between any teams. I don't even think I could do it. Lucy? I'm just really happy to see that Hawthorne have a bye coming up in round 10. I've actually written to the <laughs> AFL to ask if they could extend that for a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I can take any more. But um, I'd also like to do a little shout out here to a friend of the pod, Carolyn Wilson, who I don't know if you remember, but a couple of months ago when we were right at the start of this season, she mooted the idea that instead of having the Olympics this year, we would actually be seeing AFL football played every single day of the week, probably through the time of the Olympics. And she has turned out to have hit the nail on the head. It's an extraordinary get from Caro because I think people poo-pooed it or just dismissed it. So that keeper of the arrow has deserved all the accolades and awards that she gets. I think this won't be the last time we see it. Even if we were to find a vaccine tomorrow and even if life was to go back to normal in inverted commas, I suspect that this might be a little trial and that for those, you know, those boring rounds between 11 and 15 <laughs> when, when it's just a hard slog, I wouldn't be surprised if we see this every season, that it's a bit of a, a super super sludge fest or a super footy festival or something um, that gets us through, Teddy? Well, yeah, that's interesting because I was going to, went a little bit later on the show we're going to talk about goal kicking, but one of the things my brother and I have been talking about essentially is just that the players are so fit that at it, it is just the way in which we play the game where we play once a week or whatever, That's they, they never run out of legs. They're always around the contest. They're always around every single contest, which is why every ball is so contested. It feels like it never moves on because no one's ever getting any tired. And I think it'll be quite an interesting experiment over 20 days to see how it changes the look of football and if we get that look back, Em. It's interesting because you just said run out of legs and I just saw a millipede and on that I'm going to throw directly to Dr Kate's here and see if we've got a commentary watch this week. Well, that's um, that's exactly why I was desperate to chime in when I heard Tess say that because I thought it would be unfortunate if you ran out of legs. Obviously the Monday night game, the memo gate where Geelong played Fremantle was terrible. Uh, it was funny because Anthony Hudson commentating got in, got in on the act in commentary watch and he said that David Mundy has been waiting his whole life to play Monday night football. And uh, <laughs> to be honest, that was like the highlight of the game. There wasn't, um, but I wanted to go way, way back to the start of the round. <laughs> on Thursday night, which feels like an actual lifetime ago. And I and I noted that uh, one of the commentators said at the start of the game that Jack Rewalt isn't getting any younger, which I thought was pretty mm-hmm. funny because unless he's playing like, unless Benjamin Button is playing and uh, <laughs> like winding it back in time, like actually becoming younger, none of the players are getting younger as far as I'm aware. I think um, Sean Burgoyne would have something to say about that, Kate. <laughs> true, true. true. Although sadly, I think Sean is. Can I say? Oh, that don't say starting, it! Don't say no, it! Okay. <laughs> I feel like he's just starting to show his age, maybe a little bit, and I hope I'm wrong. I love and adore him, and I'd love him to play on for years and years. I'm just wondering, Kate, were there any other commentary watchers that maybe made people blush out of that game? Are um, we going to go there or not? <laughs> there was, but I don't know if we can say it on the pod. Maybe we'll not. just leave it there for listeners, just as a reminder. Ex- I'm sure you'll know what it was. Yeah. I want to check in a welfare check with Rana because the Tigers really popped one. <laughs> I feel like you're still got that, you know, premiership glow about you, and that can really hurt. How are you feeling? How do you? How have you been walking through the week with that? 
I loved the footage of the um, them being flooded in. Did you see that? <laughs> the Richmond team were basically, obviously they're in their little bubble, but then um, the rains came in. They were completely flooded at their hotel. And I just kind of, like we talked about biblical, it was just perfect. And Brendan Gale did tweet. Um, what's next, a plague of locusts. And it did make me think how many firstborns do we have on the team because that would just be. <laughs> that was amazing. Um, I also want to welfare check Shelley, who is a blue bagger through and through. News breaking this week that Sarah Hosking has signed with Richmond and she's handing yeah. over her blue jumper. That's a pretty big one, I reckon, for the culture of that AFLW team. She's such an amazing leader. And Richmond's midfield's just about to get a little bit more fierce, right? Yeah, well, Richmond do need someone of her calibre, that is for sure. So I think the whole entire Carlton cheer squad has fallen apart. They seem to be devastated and slow, slowly but slowly on their messages on their um, Carlton page, they're just devastated. Everyone's absolutely devastated that she's moving on. But, you know, it'll be good for her and it'll be good for her to do something new, play with new people. Richmond certainly need her and Carlton will miss her. If only we could clone her or have a double so we could Yeah, there's her. something, yeah, oh, and only. <laughs> <laughs> Teddy, you had um, taken note of some goal kicking that had taken your attention this week. It's oldie but a goodie. And I remember reading an article last year that was essentially about why AFL players don't kick goals anymore. And on the weekend, I know I will sound like I was watching Richmond and I and I was, but we just couldn't kick goals to save ourselves mm. like at all. And it was so infuriating. And part of it, I suppose, is like we've always had an unconventional forward line. So if it's not all firing, it can look completely dysfunctional. But of course, then the next week it might look good again. But when I was watching mm. John Kennedy on the weekend, I was so struck by the fact that not just him, but the most of the West Coast team, when they lined up to kick the goal, guys, they kicked the goal. It was wild. He would line up from anywhere and he would kick the goal. I'm like, what are they, what crazy things are they doing over there Where to make it so? Because I just feel like there is a fundamental part of our game that has just gone missing from practice. So part of the fitness thing I was talking about before is that there are so many other elements of, of footy and how players spend their week, particularly particularly the men who that's all they do and that's their job, and they don't necessarily spend all the time practising goal kicking. Now, I know it sounds super basic and, like, that's why I'm not an AFL coach, but it just was so wild to see this massive chasm between we're relying on all these small forwards to win the Coleman. What do you think, Rana? Tell me, what, well, do, we, what do we do? It's just funny because for as long as I've been at Richmond, I mean, they're the only ones I really see train. They do, like at the end of every session, they stay on the ground and just kick and kick and kick. And I'm pretty sure they're still doing that. So I don't know what's going on. I'd like to blame the virus, but I feel like there is something else going on. I reckon you can blame the virus for, for, for it, Rana. Why, why not? It's interesting, though, talking about goal-kicking and accuracy because I don't know if you all saw this stat on the weekend. It was from um, our friend Sir Swamp Thing, who is a go-to person for all um, footing stats. So he um, noted that on uh, the weekend St Kilda booted 12 goals, one seventy-three in their game against Port Adelaide, and that... Not since, not since round six in 1900 has a team kicked just 
one behind for a game. That was the last the last time it happened was when Carlton kicked four goals, won 25, and beat Collingwood, who scored zero goals, nine behinds, and nine points. Something's going right at St Kilda, right? And and uh, mm. that's probably who they need to look to for for tips. I think it's got a lot to do with um, how you're feeling within your mind, your mindset, because. What's happening at Richmond is you two don't feel so great, do you, Tess and Rana? So no. I'm, think- <laughs> I'm thinking those players don't feel great. And you watch, as soon as they miss, their opponent is in their ear, straight in their ear, you know, making sure that they don't feel good about themselves as a goal kicker. And that is just playing on them and playing on them. And I think that is what we're seeing as well. Absolutely. That reminds me a couple of maybe a year or two ago on the Fangirls podcast a couple of years ago, Emma Murray, our mindfulness coach, was on that pod and she was describing, she was talking about Jason Castagna, right, who is notoriously, who has a tattoo at the moment that says kick straight, which I just adore. Anyway, he he was on there a couple of years ago and she was talking about the big, big forwards like Travis Cloak and Buddy Franklin and people like Jason Castagna. When they're going through the stress of not knowing if they're going to kick the goal or not, she kind of described it as being like the fight or flight response and being a cave person coming up against a tiger. But instead of there being one tiger, there's 90,000 tigers. And then there's a home when you go on your phone at nighttime, there's a million tigers who all have something to say about you. And she talked about how the anxiety actually changes the way that your body uh, drops the ball and how your shoulders are when you're trying to actually line up for goal. And so potentially that is a massive part of it. And we see that with St Kilda, who all of a sudden have this massive belief in themselves and St Kilda. If you hadn't said last year that they kicked 12-1, there's just no one in the world that would have believed you. They were notoriously unable to kick straight. So yes, that has a lot to do with it. And hopefully a little bit more mindfulness. We, I mean, we had that down pat runner. We've got to get back there. I know. I think the other person I think about with this stuff is Ben Brown. I feel like it's a big relocation for him and his family. It's been a lot. And I wonder if that's playing into here because, you know, he's not having a great run at the moment, this kicking. And funnily enough, I think for Richmond, I think there was a big, like, popping of that you know, happy bubble post-premiership and really wanting to go back-to-back and this year just didn't plan out the way they thought it was going to be. But I think being in the hub now together is having a great effect on them and I think that that's going to really play out on field. One person that um, drove me a little bit nuts, I have to say, on the weekend was Tom Papley and when talking about a mind game, Goodness me, he can get up in your grill. I really, like, if you had to choose someone to take to the Deb, would you choose him or Toby Green? Seriously, I'd go by myself. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been to Deb, just to FYI. Um, So, yeah, I just, I feel like it was the first time I really saw him and I think I saw him through the eyes of James Sisley. It was a drama unfolding before our very eyes. So he's just off and running. He's he's winning the Coleman, right, at the moment? Yeah. Well, he was, but I I think maybe Kennedy, Josh Kennedy might be back in front. Can I just say one thing about Josh Kennedy? Did you see him? Who was it he was playing on who he fell on top of him and then he he went to check if he was okay? It was Darcy Moore. It was Darcy Moore. And when I saw him tenderly checking on Darcy Moore, I just swooned. I was like, that is, look at that giant of a man with his lovely hands, Mm. Darcy Moore. I could have watched the sequel of that. I enjoyed it very much, Shelley. 
Yeah, that's cool. It's I do like things like that in the game. I think it um, keeps it keeps it beautiful for um, spectators. But Papley, back to him. I was making no. um, I was no. making sausage rolls no. <laughs> during that half at home because you know I thought, how many games of footy do I have to watch? I'm going to listen to this one, and it was just Papley, 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 Papley. It's all I heard over and over and over again. You were making sausage rolls, and he was kicking sausage rolls. <laughs> that's <laughs> it. Don't you wish you had a little papley in your life that you could just stick on to people that you didn't like? Just, yeah, I do people. have a little papley in my life and he's living in my wall cavity. <laughs> All right, possum watch. What's happening, Lou? Yeah. Well, after last week where I said, no, everything's good, I think the possum's gone, he must have heard me, took it as a personal affront and he's back. And this time he's back with a vengeance. It's like Die Hard 2. And not only has he opened up the holes in one side of the wall, he's opened up the hole in the other side of the wall. So he's actually coming through both sides with his little bum hanging out. <laughs> and all I could think of was he is like the Toby Green or the Tom Papley of possums. <laughs> it was- oh, it's hilarious. There was another big development, though, um, this week, wasn't there, Lucy, in relation, in relation to the possum, when you discovered that the possum had established her, as it turns out, uh, her own Twitter account. She's an influencer, <laughs> it turns out. The possum is an influencer and she's in there. <laughs> she does little videos. Hi, guys. Recommendations. Um, <laughs> I've been in Lucy's ball for eight hours now and all I can hear is her listening to The Daily. <laughs> Still, it'll drop it like it's hot through the wall. <laughs> what did you call it the other day, Sally? What did you say that should happen to that possum? We should make a nice mangrook for everyone. <laughs> I mean, I won't and that's the it. end of the segment. <laughs> I won't hear a word about it. Okay, usually at this point, I would say let's roll up our pajama pants and melee ladies. But today, we're going to do it a little bit differently because we're not all in the studio together. So we've decided to go with a new format, which is called Show and Tell, uh, where everyone's brought something to share with the group. And Tess, would you like to go first? Well, yeah, because mine is the most inane and undeveloped idea. And so I'll go first and you'll help me uh, develop it into something else. So you know on the internet there's these things called Cameo where, like, famous people, you can pay them or, like, I'm going to say semi-famous people or (laughs) notorious people because I don't think, like, Jennifer Lawrence will do one if you give her 20 bucks. But some people who are, like, a bit famous will record a message for your friends or your um, partner for their birthday or whatever and do do the accent the, or the voice or the song that they do or whatever. I would like one in my own life for AFL coaches where I can pay because I don't want to sign up as a member for St Kilda because the reason I chose Richmond over St Kilda as my own personal team despite the St Kilda is because I of St Kilda's tricky history and I don't want to re-sign up as a member but I would be happy to give some money in a monthly subscription for Patton called something and send it to me because he makes all his players feel so wonderful and seeing the way he speaks to them after the game. I didn't even know that Zach Jones could smile, let alone he was being, he was giggling after Brett Ratton <laughs> asked him and said something. And I was like, I want a bit of that because I've been feeling a bit flat. I want a bit of Brett Ratton just in my life recording things for me and I'd like to open it up. I'd like Aaron Phillips give her something and she sends me some inspirational messages. I want that service to exist. What about Mitch Robinson crazy? 
Yeah. Mitch <laughs> Robinson to guide me through a game that I'm trying, that kind of thing. Similar to my Papley, having a little Papley in your life, I would love to send out a Clarko spray to people. that power. <laughs> that would be amazing. Or, or could you pay to get Clarko give you a spray if you needed a bit of a pep up? Like yeah. if you were kind of losing motivation in your life generally, you needed to clean up your house. Or, like I've just moved house and I haven't unpacked anything and I could do with a Clarko spray just to get me, kick me into gear. I like the idea of it. But the other thing I was going to say, Tess, you he- hearing you talk about Brett Ratton, I think I've said this on the show before, but I just, it always comes to my mind years and years ago listening to David Parkin in a lengthy interview with Jared Waitley on the ABC and, and David Parkin was asked who he thinks is the best coach he'd ever seen. And this is well before I think Brett Ratton got an opportunity to coach as a senior, like it was before he was the senior coach at Carlton even. Um, and David Parkin said Brett Ratton is the by far the best coach he's ever encountered because he said he can teach, he knows how to teach people things. He's got like such a skillful way of working with and talking to and mentoring people. And I always think of it like, you know, it always sort of warms my heart when I see him because David Parkin just was full of praise for what a lovely and capable person he is. And so it's so great to see him going well, actually, um, and to see that sort going well. It's lovely. I could definitely use a little Chris Fagan energy in my life right now. I feel like just that lovely mix of support and, I guess, belief just to get me through the next little bit of lockdown. <laughs> you know, when you say that, I picture the show Grandpa in my pocket, but it's Chris Fagan in my pocket. When the grandpa's shrunk down to a teeny tiny little poly pocket and he even sits on the edge of your um, cereal bowl and swings his little legs and tells his dumb off. I feel like if we could work that out, we could definitely market Chris Fagan in your pocket. I think that would be awesome. Love is that it. sort yeah. of like, honey, I shrunk the Fagan or something like that? Is that a. <laughs> yeah. Imagine, you know, that Matt Damon movie where they all got shrunk down. Imagine you could do shrinkies of all the coaches. <laughs> that was a terrible <laughs> movie. Take them around with you to motivational speeches and stuff. Do we have to put them in the oven like we used to do with our chip packets and then drill holes through the top of them so we could carry them on a little ribbon? That would work. I would still love out of everybody to take Darcy with me, Darcy Bessio with me. She's going to be the one I'm going to put in my pocket, have her with me every day just talking to me. She makes me laugh. I mean, I can catch her on Instagram. She's amazing. But, yeah, I get what you're saying, Tess. Love that. Yeah, it's a great idea. Katesy, you had a footy innovation in the time of COVID. Well, it's an, it's an innovation in the um, style of Tess's in a way in that it's, a, it's not really very well thought through at this stage. But, um, <laughs> like, really like most of the things I have to say, not very well thought through. But we were talking a couple of weeks ago about this possibility or, you know, this um, practice that's happening around the world where you can pay to have like a life-size cardboard cutout of yourself installed in one of the seats, you know, in the absence of being able to attend the game so that you feel connected in some way. And over the last weekend in particular, being a Victorian, like in our second lockdown, uh, where it's pretty severe here in Victoria and, you know, the, the numbers are very worrying and everyone's feeling pretty grim, I think, 
sitting at home watching people in you know full stadiums in Perth and in Adelaide and seeing people in Brisbane having a you know up in Queensland having a great time at the footy made me think how nice it would be to be able to be connected at least in some way to the people who are actually at the game so what I would like to propose is a, a system where we can pay people to attend the game on our behalf and wear like a GoPro or like a little mm-hmm. camera on their head so that you can feel like you're there live streamed right and they have a little earpiece and they can do whatever it is that you want so you know Mm. I want somebody to want you know somebody who can um shout on my behalf somebody who can go and drink a beer on my behalf somebody who can wander aimlessly around the ground unsuccessfully looking for vegetarian food like I've done for Mm. decades and decades Um, the number two toilet if that's the lucky toilet Exactly. Someone who can like sort of, you know, settle in at the start of the game with their little blanket over their knees and everything set up and just feel like you're there. I would love Mm. that, like a kind of virtual reality version of, of that, because I think it's hard, you know, being in a state where we're not able to engage, you know, go to the footy at all, seeing everybody over there having such a good time. It's the least they could do. It is a great idea, Kate. I feel like mine would be wasted money because a lot of the football I spend with my head in my lap with anxiety so a gopro on the head the view would be <laughs> appalling really it'd be like the dirty beer floor under my under- <laughs> i love the idea Shelley. i think i would love the idea if they went around and collected all the free stuff on the outside of the game for me before the game started because i absolutely love that free stuff <laughs> and the little clappers and then they had part of it was they then had to mail it to me at the end of the game so that you know that would that would make me feel really special okay well that brings me to the thing that has caught my attention this week and we're talking about things that we would like this week Serena Williams daughter got something that I would quite like I mean ladies my birthday is coming up what she got was to be part of a conglomerate of famous and amazing people women actresses and entrepreneurs who've bought a soccer team it's called Angel City and it's it's an expansion team adding an LA team to the National Women's Soccer League in the USA and the power women who are behind this a bunch of Shearers have put their money in the act that from team actress is Natalie Portman, America Ferreira, Jennifer Garner, Jessica Chastain, and Eva Longoria. And then there's a bunch of entrepreneurs and 14 USWNT players, including Abby Wombach and Serena Williams' two year old daughter, listed as the new owners of Angel City, which is a soccer team. I mean, you know, like for my daughter's second birthday. <laughs> I can't, I think I bought them something from Kmart or yeah. some piece of trash, some Play-Doh or something. She got a stock team. So I'm feeling a little envious and I was thinking, I mean, I do think massive kudos to the AFL that it's not, that all the teams are not privately owned. But goodness me, could you imagine if all of us pulled our epic um, and amazing salaries and we owned a team together and we had like the outer sanctum AFLW team? We could definitely buy the uniforms, definitely. We could definitely watch the uniforms. Is that what yeah. You're <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I just loved it. I thought what a power move to be able to have this bunch of amazing women come together. And to be quite frank, it's a real stocking filler. So if I don't get a soccer team between, you know, Christmas or birthday this year, I'll be deeply, deeply disappointed. Lucy, can you do something about that? Do we well, the family? I'll 
do my best. I'm actually just wondering if we pooled our resources and if we weren't able to afford a football team, could we afford a newspaper? My little no, item no. on the show and tell <laughs> is probably, it's a bit of a downer actually. You guys have all gone kind of positive pie in the sky kind of thing. So I'm going to flip mine around and say, if we bought a newspaper and if we were going to announce and point our readers in the direction of some women's sport, how would we do it? Would we give it two and a half stars out of five before we actually see the game played? Oh my goodness, a rating. <laughs> you mean someone rated a netball game? Is that what you're suggesting? Correct. So what I'm actually <laughs> referring to is the preview in the age of the Vixens and the Magpies game. And the little bit in the TV column gave it two and a half stars out of five. I really don't understand that how that happens unless you have the sporting almanac from Back to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> The other thing that it did was it really kind of invoked some 80s language. The next, one of the sentences read, once just for schoolgirls and workplace bonding, this is now a full glamour sport. The use of the word glamour really riled me. And I'm wondering when we're going to see men's sport discussed in the same way. But what it also did was it certainly caught the attention of netballers like Sherelle McMahon, Bianca Chatfield and Joe Weston, who all had something to say about it. But it's such an interesting thing to deny such a, a long and rich history of netball. It's been around since the late 19th century. We have a World Cup that began in 1963. So to say that it's, you know, really only just moved away from being something that people play after school is really shocking. So what I'd like us to do is pull our resources, buy the newspaper, employ a diverse range of people to write for it, and maybe give women's sport the platform that it deserves. Here, Rana Hussein, what say well, you? I also on the same am on the same track with as Lucy, and I would like to buy the broadcast of football as well. Or we better just do a bit more work. What a win catch lotto or something. I'm happy to yeah. buy it. Suddenly come into a billion dollars, but I, you know, over the last week, but we see it all the time. And but I noticed on Twitter a lot of people complaining about the broadcast and actually wanting to hear other people talk about footy and not just the same people that we get served up. And Hester, Ben Brown's partner uh, on Instagram, uh, did a thread, I guess, an Insta thread about this and asked for people to talk about who they would love to hear from when it comes to footy broadcasts. And some amazing names were brought up. Um, And I made a little list Some of them are footy people and some of them are a bit left of centre, but I thought I'd go through them with you. So I really want to see Callie Underwood and Tony Armstrong call a game together. That would be great. I feel like we're going to get that soon, sure. I would love Darcy Vessio's special comments because I just want Darcy Vessio everywhere on everything and as much as I can get. I also want to see Gemma Bastiani. I actually really want to hear Adam Goods talk footy because really don't get to hear him talk about footy and perhaps we would have had things been a bit different so you know I would love to actually just hear his thoughts on the game. I want to hear a catch Marco Chot from Richmond talk footy as well. She's an amazing talent. I want her to get a gig. Shiloh Curtis. I've also got Natalie Portman. I would love to hear Natalie Portman. <laughs> 
Don't you reckon she would be amazing? As the black swan? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. As black swan. Um, so she could only she could only commentate when Sydney's playing. <laughs> when the evil Sydney. For sure. I also think um, Anne Edmonds, the, co- the comedian Anne Edmonds, would do a great job either as herself or Helen Bidou. Um, I'll take either. And then my last person I really want to sit with maybe at the footy but hear her watch it is Miriam Margulies. What a dream she would be. Kate, what do you reckon? Did you see the program that she did about uh, called Almost Australian on uh, a few weeks ago where she travelled Australia? And I don't know if you saw that she went to the Northern Territory and went she was taken to see a game um, in Darwin. I thought it was really endearing because she, she basically said, I haven't, you know, she, you know, as our listeners might know, she's very plain spo- spoken, if I could, <laughs> just to say the least. And she was, she said, like, I have no interest in this game. I have no interest in men's sport. I have no interest in footy. I think it's silly, but I'll come along and watch a game. And actually she went and um, it was really sweet. And she, you know, she kind of got, she got right into it. It's well worth tracking down and watching that show because it was quite, Interesting, I thought, to see Australia through the eyes of somebody who has this strong connection to and relationship with Australia. She's actually got dual citizenship now, but is, you know, obviously originally from the UK. It was it was really enjoyable. I think as soon as we can, we need to get her to an AFLW game. <laughs> it might yes. five years down. We might be waiting for five years, but she's got to get to an AFLW game. Shelley, what caught your eye this week? <laughs> Well, I know that the AFL sent a not in the spirit of email to all the clubs today, but I'm actually going to be a not in the spirit of the game person today. And it is the first, well, no, it's not the first, it's the second time in my 20 years of talking about footy, but the lack of free kicks at stoppages to Patrick Cripps and other stars, I think is a concern. Now, sometimes two players have their arms around him and impede him on the run at the ball. With three umpires, this just shouldn't happen as far as I'm concerned. So one begs, you know, what are the other two umpires doing if they're not looking at Carlton's main man at the stoppages? So it's obvious to everyone else watching, but so why is it not the umpires? So he's basically being tackled at every stoppage. As soon as the ball has been thrown up, the opposing players regularly have their back to the stoppage, which infuriates me. So if the umpires start to play these three kicks, we would also clear up the congestion that is currently a blight on the game. And we heard from many people say, so what are you sniggering at, Lucy? Now, players I like I think Crips- you're saying this because you're playing Hawthorne next week and now you're I'm just kind of like influencing people. I'm not worried about people. that game. <laughs> I'm not worried about that game, sorry. Now, players like, <laughs> players like Crips, Fife, Danger and Bontempelli are the reason a lot of fans watch the game. So why have players impeding them from getting the ball? So as soon as the players take his eyes off the contest and put their arms around a player, a free kick should be paid. That would have it would be paid if it was in the forward line. So why not at stoppages? I, and I, that'll be the last time in fifteen years I say something else about umpires. I no, I agree wholeheartedly. And in the spirit of the game, I will give you free kicks to Patrick Cripps if you come along with me and agree that free kicks also need to be paid to James Sicily en masse because he is unfairly treated and the umpires, they don't look after his head and they don't look after him. I was half saying that to try and get a rise out of you. Got one out of Tess. Um, And I'm sure people are driving along in their cars listening to this going, Sicily, get real. But I, I seriously, I mean, we Hawthorne 
Sanctimers do have another chat group that we bore each other stencils with with Hawthorne chat during the game and all of us felt that he was underrepresented in the statistics mm. of free kicks um, mm. after that game. Tess is still shaking her head. It'll take another once-in-a-lifetime pandemic for me to feel any sympathy for James Sicily. That is never <laughs> going to happen. That's never going to happen. I thought a pandemic would change things for me, but so. I'd just like it on the record that I have met James Sicily and he was charming. Delightful. I'd let him babysit my kids. He's delightful. Yes, Rana? Tess and I also have a separate chat where we talk (laughs) Dawson's Creek and Richmond. (laughs) Dawson's Creek. We're all cheating on each other. (laughs) pod is going to be amazing. (laughs) Casey play. Which of the premiership teams would he have been in? I don't know. I feel like a 27. It would Dusty be in Cape Side, really? <laughs> He'd be um, Pacey's deadbeat dad. Yeah, Kate's here. I, there was something else that caught my eye on the weekend and I wanted to put you all on the spot and ask you a quick question if I could because I was following with interest all of the Americans who are watching AFL from afar and um, not having as much sport over in the States have been really getting into footy. You know, there was a, a tweet that came out over the weekend from a guy called John Pritchett who said that he'd been really getting into AFL and NRL and said, I need to pick a team and order some merch soon. And, of course, that's like the the worst thing you can ever say for your mentions because then he was flooded with suggestions, including including from the various clubs, um, of who he should, should go for. But I wanted to ask each of you, if you came to the game today and you couldn't barrack for the team that you barrack for now, who would you support and why and I'm happy to go first and tell you I think you all know this now but I'm going to declare my kind of second favorite team has long been Adelaide and I have gone off Adelaide in recent years with some controversy that's that's happened there I think that club's not I think it's lost its way and I'm happy to say that I would I actually would go for the Gold Coast now that they've got a women's team I grew up on the Gold Coast I feel a lot of love for the Gold Coast and I'm pleased to see them doing well so that's where I would that's where I, I would nail my flag to the mask and go for the cold coast. But who would you go for? Lucy. I'm put you on the spot. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not in a million oh, years. Um I would probably go for Richmond. And I think it's probably because they've always been my second team. They do have an AFLW team. When I was really little, I always thought they were the closest thing to Hawthorne because they were both yellow and Black and brown are really close together. Mm-hmm. Rana? I look, if we're doing this as if I didn't know, like I've come from another country and I had no idea who they are, I would probably say Western Bulldogs because I just, I love Westside, anything Westside, Westside Story. <laughs> just, I grew up West. Those callers. <laughs> Westie Terriers. I love how Rana draws the line like she doesn't go to the actual West Coast. She's like, oh no, I just draw the line at like Laverton. (laughs) I did have actually a criteria. So in my head, I went, the jumper is reasonable. The colours are okay. I'm quite happy with that. I like dogs. And then the whole West Side affinity that I've just mentioned, I felt like it was a good kind of meeting of all the things that I love. So okay, there you have it. Test. I think I'd go outside Melbourne and I, I feel like I always want to back in an underdog and so I actually think I would back Freo because I love their AFLW team a lot, like a lot. I went and saw them when I was at Freo Oval 
the whole Fremantle actual suburb is completely awesome and they've never won a premiership and they've been around, right? And I know Gold Coast and Peterborough haven't won one either, but they're new, so that doesn't count. Whereas Frio, when they came up against you in the grand final couple, I was barracking so hard for them because I just wanted them to get one. And, now and I think they're the best opposition supporters I've ever come across. Yes, delights. And they've got Nat Fife and I like him and I really love Michael Walters and I also like that Justin Longmuir is a player who's got who's come good. If anyone has not listened to the ABC Conversations episode with Peter Bell, who's their head of footy now, you should listen to that episode. I love Peter Bell. So I think I'm, I'd back in Frio and go for them. Yeah. And Purple's Strap good. yourselves Strap yourselves in. I would never have picked that. <laughs> um, Shelley, where? So I've just come into this country. I've made my way into the international airport. So I'm going to make my way past the people with the Collingwood jumpers because I'm sure they greet anyone from another country at the airport. So I've made <laughs> my way past them and I'm going to go with West Coast. I absolutely love West Coast. <coughs> Excuse me. I love what they stand for and that they've impressed me lately. So, yeah, West Coast, after I've made it through those Collingwood, you stinky have to Collingwood people. You from Tullamarine past <clears throat> Collingwood to get to West Coast. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm going as far as way as I possibly can from okay. Collingwood. Why? You're going to come up against each other. Derby. <laughs> yeah, well, I love all that banter. I love it. If it wasn't them, it'd be Port Adelaide. I might just start bantering with you anyway, shall we? <laughs> and that leaves just you, Emma Rose, to have to tell us who you'd pick. Well, it's funny because I had to have this, um, I actually had to think about this recently because I was speaking to a Sanctum listener who has been a lifelong Collingwood fan and she is thinking about switching teams, which she knows is a very, very serious thing to do. And she asked me for some advice and I gave her a list of three clubs that I thought I liked the culture of and um, who I've always um, been impressed with. And it is shocking to announce that the team <laughs> that I would choose <laughs> is the Sydney Swans. Ooh. I know it's shocking, right? I started, I started pitching teams to her, and then Sydney just emerged for me. I was really, I was quite set on the Giants, and then I kind of, I thought about the SCG. I thought about that jumper. And then mm. I thought about the history and then I was like, oh, South Melbourne, you've still got like this beautiful callback to vintage footy. And then I remembered Josh Kennedy and, <laughs> and I just, I. And Papley. Um, Papley, not so much. But I, um, <laughs> but I feel like if you had just turned up in Australia I love Victoria. I love Adelaide. I love going to Tassie and I love, you know, Perth and I love all those cities. But there's something about the way that Sydney makes you feel that is so glamorous mm. and so beautiful and shiny and dazzling. I think if I was a new arrival to Australia, I would be completely charmed by that. That's a good choice. I actually tracks because I did a lot of research into all the other clubs in terms of what they do from a diversity and inclusion point of view and Sydney are kicking some massive goals in that department. So Yeah, and I feel like Jacinta and Buddy and Sam Moston would invite me over for dinner and, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah, I'm happy with that. Yeah. I'm, 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 a bit, I'm a bit shook. By some of the responses, but I'm um, I'm glad I asked the question. It was interesting. A rather has shocked me the most because 
you already have another team in your arsenal and you didn't choose it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you said we can't pick the team that we already go for and I already go for the team. You already go for two? No. Am I outing you? I think I've slowly been outed over the last few months. I do. I have two teams. One is Melbourne and one is Richmond. I started going for Richmond when I got there, really. And this is the way I describe it to everybody because I've had many conversations about how I could be so disloyal as to have two teams. And really, for me, it's like the love you have for your partner and the love you have for a parent. Alternatively, you love premierships, but you also love a cheese platter. (laughs) (laughs) I do love a cheese platter. Love the snow. But I also love um, swan lambs. I don't know. Look, it's, it's confusing for everybody, <laughs> including me, but I have a history with Melbourne and I have a current, present relationship with Richmond that I do really love. So we back you with Rana. No judgment. I managed to catch up with Heritier Lumumba recently over a Zoom and it was a great conversation to have with him. Very interesting. Here's a little bit of what he has to say and we'll post the rest of the interview on our socials. What do I have control of? Well, I have control of what I can do with myself, like from the outside in. And so again, it's, it's the foundation of looking after my health on a holistic level. And that's a skill that I'm so fortunate and grateful of that, that I was able to focus on and develop during football. And I've kept that into my life. I, I, apply, I, I apply stress management as that is one of the, the pillars of my life. It, it underpins my performance. I'm always still, as because at football, we were used to analyzing performance, dissecting the way you do things. How can I be better um, in this game than I was last game? How can I be better in this session than I was in, in the last training session? And I have applied that to fatherhood. I've applied that to being a husband. I've applied that to every facet of my life still because I have those skills. And, it, and when you're engaged in life on that level, when you're present and you know that, okay, I, there's things that I can't control right now, but I can control the quality of my breath. How am I breathing right now in this moment? If my, if my, if my breath is shallow, then that's going to have a certain effect on my physiology and that could be exacerbating my stress. I say all this to say that I've matured and I've, I've continued to grow. And I think once I left Australia and, and the football world, my development as a human being has just been exponential. And I couldn't be happier because I feel completely free and I feel loved. I feel, um, I feel respected. The people who I'm surrounded with, I'm known as Lumumba. They, they call me Lumumba. And I couldn't be prouder because they understand there's a history with the name Lumumba. Patrice Lumumba was the first democratically elected prime minister of the Democratic Republic of Congo. He was assassinated um, shortly after he, he took his position because he was speaking out for the rights of Congolese people. So for me to carry the name Lumumba, it means something. It's when, people call, when people call me Lumumba, it makes me stand up taller and prouder because I know they also get it as well. They get it. I just think several years back, people only reference to the name Lumumba was to call me was Labamba and they would go la 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 Mumba and they would we go back to the uh 
to the microaggressions. If that was my day to day then, and now I'm, I'm in a place where, where I feel like I'm being seen a lot more by the people around me for who I am. You know, when I share my story, they're like, whoa, Australia sounds pretty messed up. <laughs> That's what a lot of people say. They say, gee, you've been a lot, and, and people see that, and they, they, they respect that. Going back to what you said, it makes me proud to be a, a black man that won't be silent and won't be silenced. This is the point in the in proceedings where I want to say, are we going to do a fifth quarter and does anyone have a, it's pretty hard to do a song for the fifth quarter, isn't it, like this? Look, it is. I kind of was thinking about this earlier today and I was thinking we're not in the studio, we don't have music at our disposal. What do we have? How could I make this work? And I thought maybe some percussion. We've got no tickets for the football round A little virus in the way And we sure would like some sweet company Another fifth quarter's on its way On its way, on its way A new fifth quarter's on its way You're gonna know what you should watch We're gonna give you books and pods and new fifth quarter's on its way. That's very good. <laughs> very good. Well, very well, clever. Studio, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That is true. I had a yeah. bit of help. Was that the possum on backup? <laughs> Definitely. It was Gerald. Gerald knows how to play a Tupperware container. All right, so we're going to fifth quarter this. Uh, Katie Sear, would you like to go first? Sure. I just wanted to say I listened to something, I watched something the other night which was just absolutely magical and beautiful, which was Idiot Prayer by Nick Cave. So he did a a one-off recording of him alone uh, performing a series of songs in Alexandra Palace, which is a, many people will probably know, is like a really... Uh, famous music venue in London and it was just him and a piano it was just absolutely magical and it was played sort of as a one-off around the world you had to get a ticket to watch it there were some technical issues so I know a lot of people missed out and then they opened it up for a few days it was just such a beautiful experience I've been and seen people play at Alexandra Palace before and there was something really haunting about seeing it absolutely dead silent and still and empty and dark um, and I just wanted to say, you know, uh, obviously um, it's played and you can't access it now if you didn't if you didn't get to watch it at the time. But what I wanted to say was that there's lots of things like this available on YouTube that you can sit down and watch. So we've had evenings where we've just sat in, turned out all the lights, poured a glass of wine and watched, uh, you know, a Beethoven uh, symphony or something like that. And there's something really beautiful about doing that. And if you're struggling a bit, at home like a lot of people are I really encourage you to do it because it just takes you away from everything and it's really joyous obviously you'll have to wait 20 days before you can find a spare night to to do something like that half-time Beethoven but yeah we have watched Beethoven you know we watched Beethoven and other performances lovely so I just wanted to encourage people to go onto YouTube and find something like that and watch it because it's it's lovely I thought Beethoven was dead yeah is he like um, Benjamin Buttoning he is he's the opposite of um jack rewalt so he's he is getting he's 250 this year beethoven actually so happy birthday beethoven he's a friend of the party he'll be listening <laughs> um, the soccer team he'll be tuning in from bond so Treat yourself g'day. Uh, g'day. teddy armstrong what have you been watching listening to reading 
As always, it takes me 150 years to get around to recommendations. Everybody told me to watch Succession. I was like, yeah, whatever. I think it's been mentioned on this top before. Turns out it was pretty good. Uh, there's a lot of heaps and heaps of swearing, which I just live for, and I just love hearing everybody swear out their guts, which is great. They're terrible human beings, but somehow I still have favourites and I still want to find out what happens to them, and that I think is a credit to the show. And there is an accompanying podcast done by the Slate Money podcast hosted by Felix Salmon, which is just a great recap if you miss, you know, if you just want to talk to friends about the episode of Succession, which you saw. So I whipped through the whole seasons, season one and two, bring on season three. So you will know what I'm talking about when I say it didn't go that well when Roman bought his dad a sports team. <laughs> it did not go that well. That would happen if I tried to buy my dad a sports team. I was half listening. He said this anyway. Hilarious. I love Succession. It's been, I can't wait for, I think there's another season coming. Is there? Is that yeah. right? Rana's nodding. Rana, what have you been watching? I, of course, like every other Indian I know, have been watching Indian matchmaking on Netflix, which is super difficult for me to talk about because it's very close to home. It's kind of a documentary series about uh, arranged marriages in India. It follows Seema Taparia, who helps people find a partner through the arranged marriage process. But the catch is she's doing it for Indian Americans in America, and she sort of flies between India and America to match make people like me, really, who've grown up in the West but still uh, subscribe or are interested in ar- having an arranged marriage. And it's difficult because there's a lot of stuff that's problematic and it really exposes the racism and sexism that can be found in a lot of Indian culture and in the process of arranged marriage. It sort of plays out quite a bit, but it's also just hilarious. And like some of it's quite triggering. There's some scenarios that for me were like my personal nightmare, really overbearing mother-in-laws and ghosting potential partners anyway yeah it's so entertaining though even if you're not Indian it's an insight into a completely different world and if you are from a subcontinental Asian culture you'll really relate so highly recommend it's on Netflix on Netflix yeah Lucy Race, what are you watching? I am watching something. So I have finally taken the advice of Lee Sales, who's been banging on about this show on her podcast for quite some time. It is a French spy series called The Bureau, and I'm watching it on SBS On Demand. So series one was back in 2015. We're now on to series two, goes all the way through to series five, which wrapped in May this year. It's a drama thriller series. It centers around the DGSE, which is the External Intelligence Agency. So like the CIA in France, um, features deep undercover agents, their handlers, other agents. My favorites are grandma and grandpa. So look out for them. It's really, the thing I love about it is it's really intelligent. It's pretty restrained, but it's also based on real accounts which is kind of awesome. Like it's not James Bondy. Like the the spycraft that they use is fairly low tech a lot of the time. Um, and interestingly, it's one of the first French series that actually adopted the showrunner structure. So 
a showrunner oversees character arcs and the look of the show and you can really see the benefit of that in this because the characters are built beautifully over time and um, I'm obsessed by it and we need to finish this so that I can go back and watch another episode before I go to bed tonight. (laughs) Shelley Ware, what's caught your eye? Well, I don't get to be an adult very often with my 13-year-old child and watch a lot of adult TV, so I've been making my way through the series of the Avatar The Last Airbender with Taj. So we're on to our third series and we are loving life there. Um, So, you know, we get to do that and cuddle up to each other and probably do an hour and a half of that before bed every night. So that's been what I've been doing since the last show. But Kerry O'Sullivan from um, Twitter has said, she has a recommendation for Out of Sanctum fans for The Queer Eye on Netflix. She says it's uplifting and full of joy, which I know people in lockdown need right now. Yes, I have just devoured the whole series of Queer Eye and it does make me cry. That's not my recommendation today. My recommendation today is The Dollop, which is a podcast, it's a history podcast, where Gareth Reynolds and Dave Anthony basically make each other laugh going through the history of a person or sometimes it's an event. I've had a couple of absolute favourites across the journey. So if you are going to delve into the dollop, I would start with either Ronald Reagan, part one and two, which is with Patton Oswald. Patton Oswald, is that his name? Yeah. Oswald Patton. Pat, Pat, Pat Oswald. He's got two surnames. Um, and he's hilarious, by the way. Um, or part one and part two, Donald Trump is... I mean, it will actually, mm. the ears oh, will, you know, be standing up on end on your arms. You won't believe the stuff that they talk about in the history of him. Um, my other favourites were Mother Jones and Lizzie McGee, who is the woman credited, well, actually uncredited, with being the inventor of Monopoly and the way in which her invention goes awry and the ways in which uh, life just happens to poor old Lizzie and I actually just adored those episodes so much I've listened to them more than once they go for over an hour which I love in the podcast because you know it can take you on a long drive or a long run or a long walk and you don't have to switch around while you're um, on the move so that's the dollop with Gareth Reynolds and Dave Anthony I absolutely adore it and there's some um, Australian comedians sometimes feature on them as well with that uh, I think there's only one thing left to say ladies can we say it in sync, do you think? We can give it a go. 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 <laughs> that was nice and slow. <laughs> hey, guys, are you still there? If you are. We would love you to go to iTunes and rate us. It means the world to us. And, of course, you can get in contact with us during the week on all of our socials. We love hearing from you. Go well.